and uh, I really look forward to today because um, I got tired of looking at a camera. You know, it's really hard to preach to a camera. Um, and I want to welcome our online audience today. This is different. We're doing a live feed from right now. Uh, congratulations to you all. Um, so be, be patient with us if we uh, go through some difficulties for those folks that are listening and watching online. But today is a big day, not only for our church, um, you know, coming together, but for all churches in general, all Christian churches. Today is the day of Pentecost, which we, uh, we naturally look towards and celebrate and, and observe the start, the beginning of the church, the early church. And uh, Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus or the seventh Sunday after Easter. So that's pretty neat. Today's the seventh Sunday. Um, so we got lots of reasons to celebrate. And so with that in mind, uh, I wanted to start a new series looking at the church. And we're going to call it The Church Defined. And we're going to look at how the church was in the beginning. And, and really compare that to what the church is now, not just churches all over, but I want to specifically uh, for us to look at our church, Community Heights, and maybe for you as an individual Christian. Why do, why do we need to do that? Well, I think sometimes we get off track. I, I think sometimes we lose focus from what the church actually is, and this has been a really difficult season over the past couple of months, hasn't it? I mean, I know it has been for all of you personally, but for our church, it's been different. It's been a challenge. It's been a difficult season. And so we're left thinking, you know, what do we do? What does church look like? And then we start to begin to redefine what the church looks like. We start to, to put our own perspective on things. But we can't do that. You see, the church has one definition. Uh, but what we can do is refocus on what the church actually is. Um, because sometimes we simply lose focus. You know, trying to get ready for the the video stuff i kept having trouble with the focus and uh couldn't couldn't get it right well finally i got it right i read the manual okay um but what you had to do was touch an object on the screen you know physically touch it and then it, it would readjust it would focus and so that's what happened perfectly so for us what i want us to do is is touch god's word and maybe we can refocus on what the church actually is. So we're going to spend a few weeks putting the early church under a microscope, so to speak. But at the same time, we're going to really look at ourselves. We're going to put ourselves under the microscope, too. And so what I want to do, I want to start off by reading God's Word in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. And I'll, we'll read them all together, and then we'll talk about a few things, okay? Verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gifts my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Wow, th- doesn't that feel good to come together and to open up God's word and read it, right? Well, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word so much, the privilege to come together and to openly and freely read your word. Father, as we look into this, Father, just speak to us through your spirit, what you want us to hear and see, what you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in these first 11 verses, we see the main ingredients for the church. We see the DNA of the church. We see the core components of the church. There are four main components that I want to talk to you about this morning. And listen, they are all essential. Okay, what I mean by that is, if you take one of these components out, you know, you can't have the church. They're all necessary. And what I want to do is just go through these really quickly. Uh, First of all, the first component is a person, a person. And that is Jesus Christ. You see, the church does not exist apart from Jesus at all. Not only is he the founder, but he is the foundation of the church. He is the foundation upon the other components. You know, all the rest uh, come from him. It starts with him. Look at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So uh, Acts was written by Luke, you know, the same writer who wrote the gospel of Luke. And he's writing to his friend named Theophilus here. And when I think about Luke or any other gospel message, that contains the story of Jesus, right? But even though Luke contains the story of Jesus, Luke isn't the end of Jesus, right? It's, it's simply just the beginning. The story goes on. The resurrection was not the end, folks. The resurrection was simply the beginning. And Jesus said in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Wow, we, we've seen the church take some blows, but guess what? We're still here. The church is still here. We've been through, historically, we've been through very difficult times, and the church has prevailed each and every time. Why is that? Because it's not built on us, not built on anything else, but it's built on a prevailing king. It's built upon a person, that is Jesus Christ. You know, we can make church a lot of different things. You know, church isn't a program or a ministry or a building. It's, it's really built upon a person. It's built upon Jesus Christ. Him, there is no um, next component that it's built upon is people. People. So the church is built upon a person, singular, but it includes or involves people, plural, right? There is no church without people aren't you thankful for that 
<laughs> Look at verse 3. This is interesting here. After his suffering, which is a word that's used to describe both the cross and the resurrection, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, what I want you to look at here is this phrase, convincing proofs, many convincing proofs. And that has always amazed me at um, Jesus doing this. You know, Jesus didn't just come out of the grave and then go to heaven. Now, he spent 40 days meeting with people, talking to people. And according to God's word, Jesus appeared to at least 500 people, closer to 1,000 people, maybe even more during those 40 days. Why was he doing that? Why not just go back to heaven? I mean, it is finished, right? The work on the cross was finished. His work was done, right? Why not just leave? Why not just leave after the grave? Well, remember what he said in Matthew. He wanted to build his church. I will build my church. He wanted people. Um, the word church literally is, is stated ecclesia. Ecclesia, that's the Greek for the word church. And it means assembly. It means gathering. It means called out ones. You know, when the word church is used in the Bible, it's never ever referred to as a place. Never, ever referred to as a building at all. Never. It's always referred to as people. And people who were followers of Jesus. People who were convinced, you see, uh, about Jesus and who he was. You know, during this time, um, the past couple of months, I've had, uh, I've been in a different season. It's, it's been different for me as a pastor. And I've had the opportunities to talk to other pastors and other churches and to network like I never have before. And not just Baptist pastors, okay? Other denominations. And it's been great. It's been a blessing to me, you know. Um, you see, the church isn't necessarily defined by what you believe, okay? It's defined by who you believe in. So I firmly believe this, that we can disagree on some things. But if we agree on Jesus, guess what we are? We're the church. That's what, that's, that's what the church is. It's about a person, Jesus, and involves people who have placed their faith in him. And here's the thing. Jesus wants all people, all people to hear about him, to believe in him, and to follow him. He died for the sin of the world. And so he wants the world to believe in him. So how is that to be accomplished? Well, the third component of the church is this, the plan. The plan. There is a purpose for the church. There is a mission for the church. There's a plan for the church. And again, this component is essential. You cannot have the church without the plan. Um, the church does not exist apart from the plan. The, actually, the plan and the people are both interconnected. Look at verse 8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here we see, here we see the plan. And um, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Oh, isn't that good? Um, we know who we, we belong to, and that's Jesus. He says, you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will be witnesses of me and, and for me. 
and then notice where he says, he says, Jerusalem and Judea, which is, you know, home, home turf, backyard, so to speak. And I'm sure they were fine with that. But then notice what he says, in Samaria, right? And, uh, you know, if you don't know uh, much about that, that's okay. But Samaria, Samaritans and Jews did not like each other. Um, Samaria was the enemy, so to speak. And he's telling them, you'll be my witnesses there. I want you to go there. And then he says this, not only there, but to the ends of the earth. Anybody know where that is? I thought it was Pound, Virginia for a long time. I mean, <laughs> the ends of the earth. That's a huge plan, isn't it? Um, you know, there's a whole lot of racial tension going on right now. Um, you know, I was up late last night watching the news and things like that. Just a troubling, disturbing time. You know, historically, the world has been divided by race. Now, we're, reading, we're reading about it now. Um, in Acts, this would have been um, hard for them to hear about going to Samaria. And even Peter struggles with it later on in Acts. He, he struggles with that. But, you know, all that changed with Jesus. Everything. The, the, the plan for Jesus is for the world, not just for one race. John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his, his son. You know, so um, the plan isn't just for a certain people or a select group. The plan of Jesus is for the world. It's for everyone. So, look, I just want to share this with you. I, I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. But you know what? This is not the plan. hard to hear isn't it? You, you and me us together isn't the plan it's only part of the plan um, it's not the goal of the church what we're doing here is for encouragement what we're doing here is to be strengthened so that we can do the work and carry out the plan out there I want you to understand that okay um, let me ask you this okay and this this will hit this will make it hit home for you what if the early church what if those folks had just met and worshipped? And that's it. Would you know about Jesus today? You see, I mean, this, this is part of the plan. This is not the plan. Okay. Um, that's the mindset we need to have is what the early church had because you and I know the gospel today because they carried out the plan. We need to as well. There's a world out there that Jesus wants us to reach. And the church is plan A, folks. The church is plan A. And there is no plan B. <laughs> you know, how many of you like to have backup plans? And Me, right? Secondary plans. Right? The church is plan A and that's it. And that's good. That's fine. Because whose plan is it? It's Jesus's. It's good. The plan's solid. Um, so we need to make sure we keep this as our main goal. And at the end of this, uh, in verse 11, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were just standing around. <laughs> I love reading about that because it shows how real the Bible is and how truthful it is because that it really shows us how human we are. You know, 
um, the disciples were just standing around, and some angels uh, came and said, look, why are you standing around? What are you, what are you doing? Jesus is coming back. In other words, get busy, right? What, what are you doing? You just heard the plan, um, and you're standing here. You know, uh, a year or so ago, um, I felt that we needed to, f- to f- use this as a mission statement type of thing. Uh, building a community of Christ followers until the Lord returns. <laughs> the Lord's returning. Are y'all here this morning? The Lord is returning. He is coming back. Um, we have to keep the plan a priority. We have to make sure that we are being witnesses out there. That's what the church is to do. Not just to come to church, but to be the church and carry out the plan. And you might say, how do I do that? Um, how do we do that together? It's a pretty big world out there. It's pretty scary. Um, lots of difficulty, lots of challenges, lots of barriers. You know, how do we do that? Fourth and final component of the church is power. Power. And that's the Holy Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit is an essential part of the church. Without the Holy Spirit, you don't have the church. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We believe the Bible teaches us that God is triune. What that means is is God has revealed himself in Scripture and in this world in, in three persons. But they're all God. God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. So, um, look, it's not something new here in Acts. Pentecost, I mean, it's, it's not something new. The Spirit has been around forever. Um, Jesus talked about the Spirit on many different occasions. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. And that word gift there is another word for spirit. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Um, So the Father promised the Spirit, and Jesus spoke about the Spirit before. He's speaking about it on this occasion now that we just read about. So God is trying to prepare his people for the Spirit, that tells us that the Spirit was part of the plan all along, right? Um, part of the plan from the beginning. Jesus never, ever intended to leave us all alone. And I want you to notice this word here, command. Command. I've never seen it, I've never really paid attention to that word until now. Command. What's the command? You know, in Acts, we, we jump right into Acts 1-8. But there's a command before the commission. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? Wait for the gift. Why? Why do you think they need to wait? Jesus knew that in order to carry out the plan, they would need his power. He knew that they would not be effective at carrying out the plan without his power. Right? Remember back in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he says, you will be my witnesses. You see, the plan comes after the power. So that tells us that we need power. 
if you read this, Jesus left. Jesus ascended into heaven. And imagine being one of the disciples. <laughs> Come back. No, right? They probably were thinking, how are we going to do this without you? How can we do this? Maybe in your life, maybe you think, God, how can I get through? How can I do this? How can I carry on? How can I be the person that you want me to be? How can I carry out your mission? The answer is through the power of his Holy Spirit. That's how. That's why Jesus referred to the Spirit as a gift. Why? Because it is for you. It's for you. It's to help you. It's to give you power. It's to give you power to do things, okay? And it's to give you power to not do things. I hope I said that correctly. We never think about that. Um, but there, there's power in, in doing things that you normally couldn't do, and then there's power in saying, wait, I don't need to do that. My mind keeps going in and out, guys. I apologize. Um, we call that guidance. We call that Holy Spirit guidance. Um, specifically, Paul talks about it in Acts 16. He wanted to go to Asia, not, not, not the China Asia, but the Turkey Asia. Okay? He wanted to go there because he was so fired up for the gospel. He's like, I got to go there. I got to go. And the Holy Spirit said, no. No, you wait. You wait. I got different plans. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us to go, but the Holy Spirit also empowers us to not go when he doesn't want us to. Maybe he's got something different for us to do, a different thing to carry out. That's big. It's a gift. Um, that's why in the bulletin that we don't have today, <laughs> um, but over the past couple of years, you've noticed that on the inside, the very last thing, there's this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? need to listen to the spirit because he's he is our god look i believe the holy spirit is in this place right now okay i believe he is I b and if you're a christian i believe the holy spirit is inside of you that's what god's word teaches us so let me ask you this let me make this personal what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Maybe, maybe we quiet ourselves down and listen. Maybe you've lost or distorted what the church it is meant to be through all this chaos that we've been going through. I understand it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's easy to lose focus. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you've the church something else okay maybe when we quit meeting here maybe you've hit the pause button you know or maybe this is what I struggle with do you see people the way God sees people I struggle with that you know God loves people unconditionally do we see pe people the way that he does here's another thing to consider have I dropped the ball on doing my part to carry out the plan. You know, it, let me ask you this. If if there were two angels, two men dressed in white standing beside me, what are you standing around looking at? What are you standing around for? Or maybe this is you. Have you tried to do everything in your own power 
and according to your own interest? Or maybe the opposite of that. Ha- have, you, have you tried to do your own thing and ignore God's promptings through the Holy Spirit to stop? Don't go there. You see? A lot of things to consider. The Spirit is given to us as a gift so that we can carry on what Jesus started. So that through obedience and faith or th- and through God's power, look, I believe, believe this too, we can change the world. And that's what God wants. That's what he wants. He wants to change the world through the church. We can do that together. You see, it's much more than a building. So much more. It's more than just a place. It's the people of God carrying out the plan of God through the power of God. Uh, That's what the church is. And that's what we are to do until our Lord and our Savior and the head of the church, Jesus Christ, returns. Amen? Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, help us to realize what the church is. And it's not a place, not a building. But first and foremost, it's built upon your son, Jesus Christ. May we hold him as head of the church. Father, as the most important thing in our life, may we worship him and bring glory to his name. Father, help us to realize that the church is about people, not just me, but all people. And you see all people as um, valuable. You sent your son to die for the world, Father. Help us to carry out the plan that you gave us to share Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know about him. Father, help us to understand the power that you give us. Help us to rely on that power. Um, Father, help us to be um, obedient to your will in our lives and help us to listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Your word tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. Father, may we be wise enough and obedient enough to listen and to follow your lead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.